welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm David Bax. Tyler Smith is on assignment. And we have, but we have a fun guest uh, filling in for Tyler, uh, which we'll get to in a, in, in a second. But first, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today, I was listening to um, a couple of uh, South Korean punk bands. I was listening to a band called Slant, who are... Uh, really really awesome kind of uh uh hardcore and then a uh a, a more pop punk south korean band called uh drinking boys and girls choir uh which is not exactly my speed i'm not uh, as much of a pop punk guy as maybe i was when i was in ninth grade but still sounded great especially on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code Pretension. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, we're back. And joining us for the first time in quite a while, actually, uh, is uh, at this point, longtime friend of the podcast, Charlie Schmidlin. Charlie, welcome back. Thank you so much. Glad to, glad to be back after a little absence. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when was the last time you were actually on. Like, I know you did a one of our commentary marathons. Yeah. Yeah. For Harry Potter, I think. For, okay. So that I'm trying that might've been the most recent time you were on something battleship. Potential related. Here, yeah. Here's, here, I guess a good way to mark it is, uh, last time we saw each other in, in person really was either at a film festival party, which are now completely yeah. uh, done with. Um, and yeah, I think that oh, maybe or at the marathon, Comment commentaries, which are also not a thing of the past for now. <laughs> like we, haven't <laughs> right. done, we haven't done one. We had one scheduled March of 2020 that obviously okay. didn't happen, but yeah. Um, yeah so uh, we have been uh, unable to see each other, but that, that's really like you mentioned, like film festival, uh, uh, film festivals and specifically film festival after parties is like really how I got to know you. Cause you were always like the guy who like, I, we were both yeah. at the film festival, but you were always the guy who knew where the after party was. Yeah. I think you saw me as some like Gatsby esque figure who would just, <laughs> just show up, <laughs> tell you where the, where the shindig was. And, and yeah. we would, and there was some, you know, like small indie label, just, you know, having a few mixers and, like ginger ales and and like the back of a like a holiday inn you know <laughs> in downtown la <laughs> but, but we still ended up there somehow yeah. yeah yeah but um speaking of festivals sundance as of this recording started uh i guess started today i'm not covering sundance this year um hmm. uh, are you doing any virtual sundance uh stuff um I, yes i i i'm not covering it myself either uh however i have um signed up for the date kind of the day pass as it were uh on saturday um so i'm going to try to fit i think they've allotted you four four films uh with a day package so um i think that day i'm seeing 
the Ramin Barani documentary oh, about cool, yeah. the bulletproof vest yeah. uh, found, uh, inventor. Then I'm skipping um, the new Lena Dunham just because I, you know, I, I think it'll be uh, it'll, it'll be in, you know, in theaters before we know it. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, always like the math at, at, at festivals. Like, am I going to go see something that I know I'm going to be able to see in theater in two months? You exactly. Know? For instance, like the, the W. Kamau Bell documentary about Cosby. Um, oh, right. Yeah. It's going to be on streaming services the week after it premieres at Sundance. So yeah. I, th- I think I can, I can hold off for now on that as well. But yeah. Uh, I always feel bad for like, cause I have covered a couple of TIFFs, Toronto international film festivals. And I always feel bad for the people who work for like major outlets who have to go, they go all the way to Toronto to see an international film festival. There were hundreds and hundreds of film for all over, from all over the world. Yeah. But because their assignment is what it is. They have to go see like the studio thing. That's like green book or whatever. That's going to be released. Sure. You know, but they like the, I always feel, I always feel kind of, I mean, I'm happy for them that they have a full-time job covering movies, whereas it's a, still a passion project for me, but right. uh, I've always felt bad uh, that uh, like, Oh, you didn't get to see the new Jafar Panahi movie. Cause you had to go see the goldfinch or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the, the biggest one I can remember of that was at South by Southwest um ooh, back a while now but um i i missed out on two smaller films i wanted to see because i had to go cover furious seven that was premiering at midnight <laughs> so it was 3 a.m and of course i wanted to review the next day so i uh i had to stay up until about 5 a.m getting that getting that turned in so yeah well I, i've never done south by but like wasn't there a year that like an unfinished version of train wreck the Amy Schumer movie like premiered at South by and like yeah I reviewed had that to cover like yeah a movie that wasn't even finished yet. yeah I gave it an A it was <laughs> <laughs> it was good you know even in an unfinished form yeah <laughs> um so uh yeah what, what else have you been doing uh uh movie coverage wise or movie because you also work in 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 production spheres as well what else yeah. you, you could talk about well, well speak i mean speaking of um virtual festivals i um i managed to make a film uh in a short film and we filmed it at the in the middle of 2019 okay. and we did the festival circuit in 2020 so it was that very first round of virtual festivals where everything was going online um the, the short was called gossamer it is called gossamer it's um you can watch it online now um and yeah, yeah, wait, where, where can people find it oh yeah it's um you can go to gossamerfilm.com um it's also available uh, i think i have it on my my instagram still but um it's yeah it, it was super interesting premiering it in that first slate of festivals that were figuring this all out um it was such a unique experience at the time you know as with everybody this year there was a huge, I don't know which is worse, whether it was worse to be at that first wave of people who thought they were going to have a year, uh, a regular year of festivals and then not, or this year, like this crop of Sundance filmmakers who thought they went through this whole, you know, life-changing thing for the arts and, (laughs) and distribution. And then to have the same thing happen again, I don't know which would be more crushing. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I mean, I can only uh, imagine that having a, having a film and having to make those adjustments, just, just being able to like, I feel like just as a, as a 
movie fan, just like being able to go to theaters again, but then like, nope, COVID's not over. And now we're in the situation where it's like, I don't know, like Parallel Mothers. I haven't seen Parallel Mothers mm. yet. And it's about to open tomorrow in the theater that's walking distance from me. And I'm like, sweet, but also, am I going to theaters now? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I am or not. Hmm. Have, have you have you been back to, to a theater uh, in a bit? I had for a, yeah, a while, but not since... Um, not since like Omicron essentially. Mm. Like I went to a press screening of tragedy, uh, tragedy of Macbeth before Christmas. And I think that was the last thing I saw in a, in a, in a theater. So okay. it's been, it's been like a month since I've been to a, a theater when I had got, gotten, I had gone back to going regularly. How about you? Uh, yeah. I'm we've, uh, my partner and I, we've been going to films pretty regularly. Uh, we, we have, um, uh, the, you know, the cult favorite service now, AMC A-List, okay. um, which has developed quite the following uh, in certain spheres. I don't know if uh, if you're aware of the magnitude of that, that particular niche. Um, <laughs> but um, we, it's basically like, you know, it's, it's the movie pass just for AMC. And if you happen to live in the Los Angeles area that you, you know, th- throw a rock and you'll hit an AMC. Um, there's three within the same, block, uh, in Burbank. So, yeah. yeah. Do you know, this is going to get hyper-specific, <laughs> but I've lived in Los Angeles for coming up on 17 years. I've only ever been to two of those three, Bur- those three AMCs in, in Burbank. I've been to oh, the really? big one, the Burbank 16. Yeah. I've, been, I've been to the one that's inside the mall. Yep. Which is the, is that the six or the eight? No, I can't that is the, the eight. Okay. So the six, I've never been in there. The six is a, it's a, it's only spoken of in whispers. It's a, <laughs> it's tucked beneath the borders and, and a crunch gym <laughs> and you have to, it's very like tucked away, but, um, real ones know about the Burbank yeah. six. They've, they've, they've got, it's literally, you, you go almost underground. It would, it would seem like wow. to go to this theater and, uh, people rarely go there. So that's, you know, that's why you kind of go. And yet it's like, it's, it's still in business, like <laughs> still in business. Yeah. <laughs> it would be awesome if like if AMC used that theater to show like seriously, like under the radar yeah. stuff, you know, like if, <laughs> if, if that was where Memoria was playing in Los <laughs> Angeles at the Burbank. <laughs> yeah. Although I was, uh, I was, um, I was looking into that because they're doing that, you know, completely unique release strategy neon of only releasing it in one theater at one theater per week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to travel around the world or yeah. Yeah. And on the country. I mean, and I looked it up on the online and funnily enough, it is playing at the river East in Chicago that the AMC. Yeah. That is the one that is where, uh, where Astical, uh, planted planted his roots yeah i've got so many memories of the river east when i lived in chicago i could tell you i saw i saw eternal sunshine of the spotless mind at the river east i saw land of the dead at the river east i also saw under the tuscan sun and both (laughs) both agent cody banks movies okay all right (laughs) i used to just go to matinees all, all, all the time uh it's a great thing the the one like the one main river east uh well, two, the, the two that stick in my mind were seeing um, the sneak preview of There Will Be Blood in 2007. And I wasn't living in the city at that time. And 
I was just in such a daze afterwards. I walked from the river East to union station, just, just like in it, which is, you know, about yeah. 20, 20 blocks, I would say. Yeah. It's been a while since I've lived there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just kind of like playing the film over in my head. Um, and then the, the second one is during the film festival, the Chicago international film festival, they showed the red riding trilogy. Oh, back to back to back. So kind of how you, you know, you, you see the same people when you ride the bus, you know, every, every, every day and yeah. develop a rapport and a relationship. <laughs> we all just had this like descent into hell us and about a, a slowly dwindling audience while we watched the red riding trilogy, just a gruesome, just increasingly depressing trilogy. Uh, well, as long as we're going down memory lane, we should get into like, you, yeah. you reached out, um, to, to, to us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Tyler, uh, apologizes to you and the listener for, he has, he has very good reasons for not being able to be on the podcast today. Sort of short notice, but, uh, he can go into that when he comes back if he wants. Um, you reached out to us because, uh, as you know, and as listeners of the Patreon know, cause we talked about him recently, uh, Peter Bogdanovich passed away and you said you had some, uh, some, uh, some tales to, t- to tell. Yeah. Um, good ones. It, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to celebrity tributes and when, when someone notable passes away, the flood of, um, kind of remembrances come in. And I, I always tend to get sort of overwhelmed by them. Um, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily in terms of the sentiment or the, the, the feeling behind it. It's, it's more just the mass of it. And the, the sources from which they're coming, it's, it's always kind of like corporeal and, and you're not quite sure where to place them or how they related to this person. They're all just kind of like wrote this, some of the same um, phrases going around. And when Bogdanovich passed, yeah, I started thinking about it as well. And there've only really been two, two people in film that have had like a special, um, place in my life and how I viewed life and the industry and film afterwards. And those were, um, Roger Ebert in Chicago and then Bogdanovich. Those were the two folks who, um, on a personal level, really, um, shaped how I viewed life, um, for very different reasons. And, um, I'm sure there'll be, it's figuring out how to tell the Ebert story one day, but really the Bogdanovich one, um, happened when I was 20 and just starting out in the film industry. And it happened completely randomly. And coincidentally, it it really all started when I was in Chicago figuring out how to break into the film industry. I I didn't go to Columbia or DePaul or any film school. Um, I, I started off on film sets just basically doing PA work. I, and I had a bunch of Columbia and DePaul friends on whose sets I would just volunteer to help out. So when it came time, like during college to figure out how to actually get jobs, um, I tried looking in Chicago for work, but, uh, it wasn't, it, it, this was kind of before that huge slate of, of films really came to Chicago. Like, do you remember it was like around 2012, I think was the the kicking off point. Um, 
Cause I, I worked on transformers, transformers three, and that was right after dark Knight, And those kind of kicked off this interesting focus on Chicago as a, like a, ta- a great tax credit, um, okay. really flexible location of film. So everything was going there. Um, Unfortunately, I moved to LA <laughs> right, <laughs> right after, right before that. So I, I didn't see too much of that. Um, so it was kind of dry. So basically what I was doing was looking in the States surrounding Illinois. And this may still apply today as a way to break into the industry. I'm not sure. Feel free to try it. I haven't tried it in a long time. Um, but I would go to IMDb Pro I would start a free trial of IMDb pro and they, and they kind of update listings of films um, and what stage of development they're in. And I would, I would filter all of them by the films that were in production and I would go to the film and then I would, there was a subheader of what film they were, what, what company they were being managed by. Um, I would then call that company directly and then ask if, if I could, uh, if I could be redirected to the production office for this film and, and, and then like not knowing like who I was, like they didn't know I was just some schmuck from, from, <laughs> from uh, rural <laughs> Chicago. And, um, they, they would get, oftentimes they would give me the production office numbers for, I think what was I like 12 years of slave, um, captain Phillips, Django Unchained. Uh, those were all, spots that I just were redirected to. And I would call up and just say, Hey, do you need any PAs? And the majority of them would be like, uh, no, we're all good. Um, thank you. Click. Um, (laughs) but sometimes like they would say, uh, yeah, let me get your info. Um, so all that is to say, uh, I get a call one day and it's a film in North Carolina that's starting in about two weeks and they're looking for PAs to, to come out and help out. Not, not quite neighboring Illinois. Not, not quite, <laughs> but it, it really like, it was getting like dire. And like, I, I expanded the search radius where I'm like, yeah. where can I get to in like a day? If I, you know, if I just try like just get in the car and just start yeah. driving, but can I get there within a day? Um, so yeah, this, this film in North Carolina um, uh, was looking and they're like, but can you get here in three days? And I was like, uh, sure. And meanwhile, I'm still in Illinois and I put down the phone, made arrangements and just went to North Carolina for an interview. Um, and not knowing, not even really knowing if I would get it, but yeah. I was just like, if, you know, worst, worst, worst case scenario, I can just hang out in Asheville where, yeah. uh, where the film is based. So I get there and luckily I, I, I get the PA role. Um, I found a little, little, uh, sublet off of Craigslist and ended up staying in we were, uh, the film was shooting in Hendersonville and kind of the crew was mostly based in Asheville and we were shooting in DuPont state forest nearby, which is beautiful, huge, uh, plot of land there, this, uh, lovely state forest. And on this film, um, this is my first, like, you know, I'd worked on transformers three before that, but that was, you know, that was a lot of moving parts, huge, completely. Uh, I, I couldn't quite see the seams of it yet of how you put together a film. And this was really the first independent film production that I worked on where it was about 40 people. Everyone's super tight knit. Um, you get to know everyone's name, everyone's super well. 
And uh, that, that was my first exposure to it. So I was kind of taking everything in for the first time there. So to, to get to it, basically, the, the film, which is uh, unlikely to be released at this point, um, I think it kind of got lost in, in distribution. And if you look on the IMDb, it literally says um, this film is unfortunately lost, which is a very loaded <laughs> statement. Wow. Um, in the trivia section. So you can, I, I don't know who put that up, but uh, you know, you, you can, you can imagine, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a really interesting film full of um, a lot of great actors. Uh, you know, I won't, won't mention any other than Bogdanovich because well, yeah, we, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but um, Bogdanovich was uh, one of those actors and he was in the supporting role and he was always kind of like the specter hanging around the film of like, all right, we got Bogdanovich coming in. What are we going to do? How are we going to treat it? Um, everyone was super psyched for him to come in. And the first day he came in, he, he, he was scheduled for two weeks of work, basically. And the first exposure to him was he came in for a fitting. And he was, he, he was living in Winston-Salem, teaching at uh, um, the university of North Carolina then. So he was, he was driving over from Winston-Salem to Asheville. And then we would drive him from Asheville to DuPont state forest. And so we sent a PA to go pick him up for the fitting from his hotel in Asheville. And this local PA, you know, God bless him. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, he was really nice, but he was kind of green, a kind of a green PA as well. And this being an independent production, they were trying to, you know, stretch their, stretch their coin. So they had him use his own car, <laughs> which it was like, you know, like a 96 Camry, uh, yeah. with, you know, just like, like monster cans, uh, like littering <laughs> the floor. Yeah. Uh, I think he maybe took like two or three out, but it was kind of a, <laughs> it was a kind of a mess. So the first time, like I, I, I saw him, he rolled up the set with his PA and this Camry and imagine like ICP blaring, blaring out yeah. the windows, <laughs> just guns and roses. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, just like fish tailing in. And then all, like the first time we saw him, he, he cracked the door, like sl- threw it open and like stumbled out of the car and he just pointed to the car and he's like, I am never getting in that car again. <laughs> And this was like the whole like welcoming party. And we're like, Oh, here he comes. And this happens. And we're like, Oh no, what happened? And the, and the poor PA, he just like shrugs. He's just like terrified. He didn't know what he, you know? Yeah. I felt, I felt bad for him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like we, we the, you know, he, he got, he got in the, he got in the, the, the costume trailer and the wardrobe trailer and, and started going through his, his wardrobe and everything was fine. You know, he's st- like once, once he starts like gets relaxed, you'll find out we'd find out he starts immediately getting into like the Bogdanovich mode that everyone knows him and he, he can yeah. get into that rhythm real quick. So before long, he was like stepping out and like feeling around clothes. And he, he did that. Uh, he was like, Oh, Audrey Hepburn, that is said, don't button the, the the sleeves of the your shirt um they're more billowy and open that way to give you a more definition or something like that <laughs> and everyone's like he's talking about Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> you know he, he just he just he's just on a roll so um so luckily everything was kind of 
tapered over and everything taped over and that, that was fine that day. But, um, we, I think we got him a, we, we got him a, a taxi back, uh, to his hotel, to his hotel after he was done with the fitting. When it came to the second day, um, they're like, I, I, I was the base camp PA on the, on the film. So theoretically in charge of just running base camp, seeing what the actors need, like running, the th- run, running them through the works, all of that. Um, they, we were kind of out of P PAs to go get him. Um, well, there's so already like, one who's out of the running. Yeah, there's, there's one. Yeah, he's been, <laughs> he's been, he's been gone. Been banished. Um, so they're like, okay, uh, let's, let's rent a car. Um, I think they got a Impala, Chevy Impala. And they're like, Charlie, go get him. And the, and the mood was very much like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was deep. Um, they came to me the day before and they're like, all right, here's what, here's what we've got. You got to pick him up in the morning. He's asked for two things. He wants a water and he wants a Turkey sandwich. I'm like, all right. He's like, and, and drive, drive carefully, drive slow. I'm like, all right, great. So I like spent the night, um, like researching best Turkey sandwich in Nashville. (laughs) I was like doing, doing like the research and finally located a spot. So then the following morning, I'm like, I'm like freaking out. Um, cause I know it's at stake and, uh, I picked up this Turkey sandwich, which was, uh, wheat bread, no mayo cheese, or no, there was mayo, no cheese, mayo, Turkey. That's it. Some tortilla. What, what time, yeah. What time in the morning is it? Like this, this was about, I think I picked him up at about eight thirty nine. So where do you, like, where do you find a place that's like making a Turkey sandwich at eight o'clock in the morning? Like uh, a breakfast place. Like, it, like okay. it was a, it was an all day breakfast place that I think just kind of got, you know, one of those bagel spots that had everything okay. ready to go. They just like okay. swapped in the bread. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I made sure they were open. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I, like, I got with a sandwich in tow, went to go pick him up and went up to his hotel room, knocked on the door. He opened it and uh, I was like, hi, I'm Charlie. I'll, I'll be driving you to set. He's like, all right, come on in. I'm, I'm getting ready. And so I come on in and I'm helping him kind of pack up his things and his, his like computer and stuff. And on the bed is a script and it was the script for um, hit one of his last films. She's funny that way, which at that point was called um, squirrels to the nuts. And, yeah, and, and, and apparently yeah. the, um, I was just reading on Twitter today that like his, his cut, his squirrels to the nut nuts cut of the movie does exist. So oh, really? it was really like the, there was a whole story about how, uh, how it got saved. Um, you should, uh, I can't remember. It was variety or something, but, oh, um, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll, we'll see his, we'll see the squirrels and we'll, the squirrels yeah. cut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it was really that, that title. I think that title was what kind of broke the ice. Um, because I saw that, I saw that on the bed and we finished packing up and got in the car and started driving. And it was all kind of very like, you know, um, respectful, just like going to work type of thing. And then I had a feeling cause I just like before going to North Carolina, I'd seen that Lubitsch film, Clooney Brown. Um, okay. I've never seen that one. 
really, really good. Um, okay. but it's, it's, it's where that, that the title originates from. Okay. Uh, it's one of something that it's like a, uh, a, a, what would you call it? Basically like something that one of the characters says to the other to kind of cheer somebody up as their, their, their outlook on life basically. Um, so in the car, I asked him, I was like, is, I saw on the bed, there was that script scrolls to the nuts. Is that aligned from Clooney Brown? And like that, like I saw his like, eyes like light up a little bit. He's like, have you seen, have you seen Clooney Brown? And I was like, yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, no, it's a, and then boom, it, like it was off. Like he was telling me about how it's like an ode to Lubitsch and you know, how everything is kind of tight. All of the films he's made that have some slapstick element to him are kind of uh, pay a debt to Lubitsch. And this was one of his most obvious homages. Um, so yeah, we just started like talking from there, gave him the Turkey sandwich. He's like, all right, great. Started eating it. He had a pause. He's like, this is a good sandwich. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. You killed it. Killed it. Um, so we get to set. I drop him off. He does, uh, he does his work for the day. I kind of go back to doing the normal um, PA stuff. And uh, uh, then at the end of the day, I drop him back off. We kind of pick up where the conversation left off. We were talking about um, Lubish and all that and w- what the film is. As I drop him off, he's like, are you picking are you picking me up tomorrow as well? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, I think so. And he's like, can you, can you get that sandwich again? And I was like, I think, yeah, I think so. I'm like, all right, cool. So I drop him off and that was it. Like from that point forward, um, I was just designated the guy. He's yeah. like, they're like the UPM at that point. They, we, <laughs> we dubbed the sandwich. It was actually the, um, the UPM dub dubbed it the, uh, Bogdanovich. <laughs> Wait, which i can't i can't take credit for but basically yeah. um it became you know just like the cue like all right it's bogdanovich time and then i would just leave set to go grab the sandwich get peter mm-hmm. in the hotel bring him to set do his thing and v- very quickly like i was theoretically the base camp pa but um whenever he was on set he kept like i kept getting calls over the walkie that like Charlie, what's your 20? Like, where are you? Peter wants you. I'm like, uh, coming in. And I, I was like, all right, cool. And I went to his trailer and often, sometimes you'd be like, you know, can you give me a coffee or a tea or whatever? I'm like, sure. I'll go grab it. But other times he's like, have you heard of Tom Petty? And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. He's like, I did a documentary about Tom Petty. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> and then we would just talk about Tom Petty. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I, again, like I have no, I, I, I it, it was, it was kind of strange to me. And obviously it was something that like, I, I felt weird about, you know, just step away from the set to just like hang. And you, you never know where that line is with like talent of like overstepping that you don't want to be too, um, too in depth, but yeah. yeah. But, uh, and so we, at that point it had been like four or five days. And then on the weekend he had to go back to Winston Salem and, um, naturally I, with the, with the, with the Impala, I had to go with him. Oh, and, uh, it was three hours from Asheville to Winston Salem, uh, a three hour drive. So we like, yeah, we like, we left set 
on his last day before the weekend, we left set at about one in the morning, I want to say. And it was like, all right, we got a long drive ahead of us. What do we do? And he's like, are you hungry? I'm like, and he's like, let's get some food. And so, uh, we, we, uh, we stopped at this little like backwoods grocery store and I got a cart and we're just rolling around. It was like very surreal, like to yeah. be in a, like a small town, North Carolina supermarket, just rolling around with Bogdanovich, like having him point at like pita chips and hummus. Yeah. And he just like kept throwing stuff. And it was like, a, almost like a, like a child who kept like grabbing bags and just throwing them in. Like he almost had the munchies, but it was, it, it, it was, it was, so we like, we, we came out with like, a, like at least two bags of like just snacks and we just rolled back to the car and started, uh, started eating away. Um, but so, yeah, so uh, I drove him back and we, we like listened to like this American life and like talked about stuff and got at that point I was dating someone and he was giving me dating advice, which isn't the most <laughs> looking back, probably not the most you know, right. yeah. the wisest advice, but I was like taking it to heart. Um, but it was super and sweet. How things him. work out with that person you were dating at the time? Uh, not well. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have taken his advice. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it was super sweet of him to to offer it. And um, then the weekend happened. I got him back, and he did his his next round of work. And something that I just kind of happened to do is after each day that I dropped him off, I would just go home and I would watch one of his films. So like I would drop them off, um, then I'd go home and watch St. Jack or, uh, they all laughed or, um, uh, what else did we watch paper moon and then, or cats me out. That was, that was a big one as well that we talked about. Um, and in the morning when I picked him up, I'd just be like, cats me out. What was up with that? And he's like, well, it was tough shooting on a boat. I was like, great. So we spent like the, <laughs> like the fifth, like the hour, to set, he would just kind of like break down whatever film I'd seen the following, the previous night. What, like, I, I what, did, uh, did Cats Meow, did that rank as like, which, which one are you like fondest of, of his films? Uh, I mean, I've, it's, uh, we did uh, on the Patreon, so Patreon listeners will, will know, we, we, we kind of counted down our top five and we brought Scott Nye on specifically for variety because it's like yeah. me and tyler's top five tends to be like the ones you think of you know yeah um, so i would say my favorite is is last picture show um but i also did put cats meow on my top five it was um the first bogdanovich I, I i saw and it came out at a time that i was like um really getting into going to movies alone just on weeknights just to like see what was up and, yeah. and also uh, as i talked about on the patreon I remember that I like, I knew who Peter Bogdanovich was, but I also, because Amelie had come out the previous year, I knew who Bruno Del Bonnell was, the cinematographer. Mm. And so Cats Meow was like, oh, the new movie that Bruno Del Bonnell shot is out. And I went as much for that as for Bogdanovich. Um, right. I, I, uh, I really love uh, Cats Meow. And it's interesting that you say uh, that he said it was difficult shooting on a boat. Cause that's one thing I think when I watch that movie is like, wow, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of room on this, this like location for, for a camera and stuff to, to move around. And then it looks like it, it looks like it must've been difficult. So I guess I'm, uh, I was right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, totally. That, it's, it's one of my favorites as well. Um, and I can't, I can't exactly place why, um, that there are two, there were two films that really like stuck in my mind, um, that I wanted to ask him about. One was cast me out and the other was noises off. Oh, yeah. um, I should have said noises off would have been the first black on bitch. I saw cats. Me, I would have been the first one I saw, like knowing who he was. Oh, I, interesting. Saw, I saw noises off when I was like, a like, cause I was like a theater, like drama club kid. And like, I watched it oh. you know, with, with like other, like people who I knew who were in the drama club were like, Oh, you should see noises off. off. You'd, you'd love it. So I watched it for that reason. Did you? Oh, okay. So I almost have the exact same. I think it might've been my first as well. Um, but we actually watched noises off in theater class. Oh, really? And, you know, just, we were just dying. Like it was, it was probably freshman year theater class, theater one. Really? And our teacher, Mr. Nesseth just rolled out, you know, that, uh, pan and scan, like four by three yeah. TV popped but in noises off. And sounds yeah, like amazing. you had a, a, a cooler school. Cause I think my school was so uptight that the fact that there's a character who spends the entire movie in her like bra and underwear, that <laughs> they would not have shown noises off to us in, in my school way too uptight for that. I, I don't know if they knew what was going on. Yeah. We had a, we had an interest. I want, yeah. Looking back, I like, I once convinced my history teacher, uh, to let me show the proposition. <laughs> which, that'll, like that'll tell you, tell you where the, the faculty's head was at. I, I don't know. I still don't know how I got that past the, the teacher, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was one. Um, yeah, I, I did. Um, uh, I think I took a, a history class where I think I gave a presentation on the thin red line, which would have been like new to VHS or whatever at that, yeah. uh, at that time. I also remember I took a, a lit class and like the teacher split us up into pairs and, um, you had to do, it was a like novel and movie comparison. Like that was the project. Like everybody pick a movie that's been, or a book that's been turned into a movie and read the book, watch the movie and do a presentation. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember what I did. What I remember Mm. is there were two girls who were like trying to figure out what they should watch. And I was like, Oh, have you heard of this movie and book wild at heart? (laughs) So (laughs) I got like these two girls, like, like junior, you know, junior uh, high school girls who had never didn't know anything about David Lynch to read, uh, uh, was it Barry Giffords that the author's name, Barry Giffords, wild at heart and watch yeah. the movie and do a presentation on it. And they liked it. So I was, uh, I won I remember that better than whatever the hell I did. I, I don't remember what I did. That's amazing. And how, how are they doing now? Did they, have they recovered? I, don't know. I am not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really in contact with anyone from my high school. Similar to, uh, getting yeah. dating, dating advice from Bogdanovich. How did yeah. uh, <laughs> you recommending wild at heart? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so wait, you, uh, you were saying about noises off. Did you talk to him about noises off? Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I said, I said it was probably my, my favorite, of his, uh, just because it, it was one of those formative, like comedy slash filmmaking experiences that you, cause I, I, I watched it recently and it's one of those tough things to, to watch again, just because your, your first memory is so fond of it. Yeah. And, and, and so like filled with delight that you won't, the, a rewatch almost, it, it threatens to kind of diminish it. Um, so I actually, I, I probably watched 20 minutes of it and I was like, this is still, this is still good. It's still funny. Um, but I probably need to probably need to turn it off. 
<laughs> um, because it is such a, it's such a instructional, informative film in the way that everything's funny the first time you watch it, yet you, yet you really feel the presence of the camera and you really feel as hand on what's being shown. The, the pace of it is very, you know, it feels unlike any other slapstick film that um, you're kind of seeing at that age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, we, we were talking about that and he said, I remember him saying that it was very important to do it all in one shot because the main, uh, the reason why you went to see that play was to see when the audiences or to see when the performers, if the performers could pull it off because so much was happening at any one time and everything was at the verge of calamity, whether for real or, um, scripted um the tension was in that that fear of calamity so rather than kind of cut around and cut through that tension he said that the way that he tried to replicate it was to shoot everything in long takes so that the so with multiple actors doing their performances at any one time so that any one performer they didn't want to be the one to mess up so it, it yeah. gave the whole film this interesting vibe of that. It's always on the verge of collapse, which I thought was interesting. Did you, uh, uh, did you talk to him at all about, um, like John Ritter or Christopher Reeves, like people who had passed away? Uh, unfortunately, uh, no, yeah. no. Um, he, he would, you know, he would mention folks, uh, you know, by first name, basis you know you know like orson's like head yeah, yeah. <laughs> audrey orson yeah uh and, and stuff like that i didn't want to you know i didn't want to it, it came up once and i'm like saying any, saying any more than this is probably would probably be speaking of out of school but like right. dorothy stratton came up once in the car when we were talking about like the relationships and such and it was only a second um and, but you could tell that it would, it would like those feelings were still right at the surface. So I didn't, and I, like, I didn't even bring it. We were talking about, they all laughed and she happened to come up and he kind of mentioned her and went off about her a little bit. Um, but so I, 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 yeah, I, I knew just kind of like, I didn't want to touch on anything that he didn't want to talk about, but I, it was interesting. I could just, I could tell like, um, even, even to that day, it was still very on the surface. Oh. Um, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of like working experiences, he, he, we didn't get to talk about, uh, the performances, certain performances. I can't remember if we talked about any, um, he talked about Orson Welles a lot and there's an interesting, he, he told the story that he's kind of recounted a few other times about on the set of the other side of the wind, um, them breaking the crew for lunch and him saying he's not hungry and them spilling a whole bag of Cheetos on a kitchen table and, and like gobbling it up. Uh, cause just out of sheer hunger. Uh -huh. Um, the, and then with, <laughs> I guess this thing that they would, would do, which I'm sure he's talked about as well as, uh, uh, when Orson Wells was living with them, uh, they would continually just, just, um, get high and just watch old, films and like eat <laughs> like that's a, like that was like their favorite thing to do 
which that, that, that mental image is just incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to imagine yeah. like, how does, how does Peter Bogdanovich or Orson Welles, how do they smoke weed? Are they like, are they, are they rolling up a blunt? Are they putting in a, in a, a bong? They have, a yeah. one hitter. I want to, I want to, I want to know what the, the, uh, the paraphernalia is that they're using. I want to know what to pick. I, I picture Bogdanovich with like, like a tobacco pipe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> tobacco pipe. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. He's more of a, he's more of a gummy guy, I think. Toward the sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's true. Um, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I was, uh, I was trying to think about any other, I think that was about it. Like I did try, I did, I did try to keep it like somewhat professional, you know, yeah. as we were, as we were doing it, but, um, the, the, the times he afforded me, those, those stories were interesting. Um, and, and it kind of came to mind more, more recently, but I think the reason, cause I was thinking, I'm like, why did he let this 20 year old kid just like ask a bunch of this, anno- like these annoying questions and, and entertain all of that. Um, and I think it was cause th- this is my thought on it is that he, when he was young, he did the exact same thing to so many of his favorite directors. And as a critic and interviewer, he would kind of pester these directors on tips and tricks and what they thought about life and filmmaking and all of that, that I think he had kind of, I think he knew when they when to recognize that in someone younger than him mm-hmm. and how to kind of play that role for someone else. Um, and, uh, and it all, that, that specific point will kind of come clear in a second, but like, yeah, I think, I think he just had this, this sense that he's kind of, he knew he had moved into more of the, like the teacher role, like a, literally a teacher at, at mm-hmm. uh, UNC that it was just kind of time, a time to, he was making films, but also just impart, you know, these lessons and whatever knowledge that he had onto, to younger folks, which was, um, which is great. But, uh, so, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, uh, so how long was he, uh, how long, how long did this last? How long was he on this movie? Well, that's, that's the wild thing. Like, um, looking back at it, it was, it was about, we did this about two weeks. Okay for about two weeks, which is a relatively short amount of time. But it we, like in it, we packed, like there was so much packed in of just hanging, like you, uh, a film day is so long. And if you're spending that amount of time, just hanging out with someone, it, it can feel like an, an eternity, uh, you it's know, like, like camp, a, right? it's like camp. Yeah. 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 You just, you, you dive in, you get super tight with folks and then, uh, you know, move on to the next thing and, uh, forget everyone you just met. <laughs> yeah, are, are you still in touch with anyone else from that, that production? Well, fun, I mean, funnily enough. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of credit that production. It was an LA crew and a lot of the people that I met on that production. Um, one of whom, uh, was one of my best friends when I first moved to LA and they were kind of very, they were the number one reason why I was able to continue like staying in LA. The the first year I was here was from knowing them and from getting referrals and from working on their projects. Um, But yeah, so it was, it was about two weeks and really it kind of came, we were, we were kind of doing our little sandwich pickup Uh set talk, leave thing routine. Um, And then he wrapped on the film 
and uh it was a it was a three-hour drive like i said back to back to winston-salem so i was like all right i'll i'll take you um and then i'll just get a hotel down there i'll come back he's like great so and, and we get in the car and when we're all done he says goodbye to the production we start driving with all this stuff and on the way there he he starts talking he's like yeah I'm, I'm i'm really trying to make this film squirrels to the nuts i'm trying to get owen wilson for the part i'm i'm flying to new york in a month or so to try to convince him and we're trying to pull it together and and all that and then i'm like well what else are what are you trying to what other projects are you trying to do and he started talking about this this film called wait for me which has been around since the 80s i found out him it was originally supposed to star john cassavetes i believe okay and he was always supposed to kind of be the lead and a bunch of other comedic actors surrounding him and he he described it as this globe trotting uh ensemble cast like a massive production which sometimes like people say these projects and they're kind of vague and mm-hmm. you know they're like yeah i kind of want to do you know a napoleon biopic reference <laughs> like i want to do this or whatever and that's about as far you feel like that's about as far as they've thought through it but with him he was like we had the three hours so at one point he's just like do you want to hear do you want to hear about it i was like yeah so he started just pitching me wait for me for probably about an hour just taking me through every single scene in the film and who would play what and his casting ideas for the different roles, you know, like it was a very sort of like Greek chorus. It was like a Greek chorus of women. It was kind of like a wild strawberries type film about a director who um, was dating these, uh, these six uh, different ex-girlfriends and ex-wives of his. And he would go to see them various globe trotting locales and it was kind of like supernatural there were ghosts involved and it was so like it just even then i was just like how are you going to pull this off this is so ambitious and, and wild um and and he ha- it was all there like he he had it scene by scene by scene uh-huh. um and it may might who knows it might still get made um someone might take up the mantle and try to finally get it made but it was really interesting and like a really fascinating experience just kind of like it was like the best audiobook yeah. <laughs> ever just to be driving and he's kind of laying out the whole plot of this thing um but we we finally that that whole trip happened we got to his apartment uh and i was 20 at that time and it was my birthday in two days uh my 21st so I was going to spend it in North Carolina. Um, and we, we kind of talked about it throughout that, the time we were together, brought his, brought his stuff up to his little apartment there, opened the door, TV's on TCM's plane. Like he left, I think he left the TV on for about two weeks <laughs> or however long <laughs> he, he was gone from the, the place. Um, so it was just dialed into TCM, kind of set the stuff down, watched TCM for a little bit. Uh, and then I got up, I was like, all right, well, this is, this was great. Um, thanks for everything. He's like, thank you. I was like, all right, I'll see you later. Uh, hope to work with you again. Take care. And I shook his hand, um, and started leaving. And then, uh, I started walking down the hallway and 
and he like pokes his head out and he's like, Hey, Charlie. I was like, eh? he's like, come back in here. I was like, all right. So I, I turned around, walked back in. And then he's like, when's your birthday? I'm like, uh, it's on Tuesday, which is like two days from then. And he walks over to a shelf that he had, which was full of DVDs. And he's like, you said noises off was your favorite, right? I was like, yeah. And he just pulled noises off, off of the shelf. He's like, here you go. I'm like, do you want another one? I'm like, sure. He's like, here's one that I really like. And then he pulled mask oh. off the shelf. He's like, yeah, I really like this. I think you'll like it. Have you seen this? I'm like, no, nah. he's like, check it out. Let me know what you think. And so he gave me DVD copies of noises off and uh, mask. And he's like, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, that's man. awesome. I'm assuming and, uh, you still have those, right? Oh yeah. They're, they're, uh, yeah, they're right behind me on my shelf. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, we, we kind of parted ways. We went back to the production. We finished that out. Um, and then like afterwards, I just, I just sent him, you know, like, I think we talked over email a couple of times. Uh, but, and then he, he said an, an interesting thing, which I like, I wrote down to, to, I, I, maybe he like signs all off all emails like this, but he basically said, good luck in whatever you choose to do or whatever may choose you, Nice, which I thought was very sage like of him. Um, but all of that is to say, like, I think that the whole experience, like, like the reason it kind of shaped my outlook, um, afterwards, it was just seeing not only like the, the filmmaking experience that he imparted, but also um, just seeing him as like a working filmmaker who in his eighties was still expressing all of these anxieties about getting the next film going. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know where funding is going to come from. I don't know if this actor is going to say yes. I don't know if the script is right. I don't know if we're actually going to do this and seeing like, because those were theoretically all of like the same anxieties you have just starting out. And you're like, yeah. no, what you, I think you picture at that age when you're like in your um, teens, twenties, just getting going, you're like, well, at a certain point it must get easier or you must lock into something <laughs> where it's like you're on God mode and you can just do it. Right. But it was, it was, it was reassuring in a way to kind of see this person who had accomplished so much and was also uh, displaying all these signs of like, Hey, it's even, even when you're like, have been doing this forever. Wow. These are always going to be there. Um, so like, don't worry, not don't worry about age, but like it, 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 there's no, like, there's no real limit or like age cap as to when you, Oh, you should have made your first feature by 18 you know, right. at that, because by 25, you'll be a master of all this stuff. It kind of just showed me like, just like slow down, just like keep learning. It's, it'll all kind of click in. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, I have to ask you some more questions. Sure. Uh, uh, real quick. Did you at any point talk about the Sopranos? Uh, no, <laughs> because you know what? I still, I've seen stray episodes. I still oh. have not gone back well he's he you know lorraine bracco plays tony soprano's therapist peter bradonovich plays lorraine bracco's therapist so he had a yeah he had a recurring role on the series that was uh i always look forward to him him showing up um 
Another question. Did, now you mentioned this movie, which you did, so you haven't said the name of, so I don't know if we're not saying the name of it. The the movie you worked on. Um, you mentioned that it is lost. I found I, I found it. Okay. Uh, okay. On IMDb, and I found the. Uh, I'll let you say the, it. You can okay. say it. <laughs> I didn't know. Okay, it's called it's called Don't Let Me Go. I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, so my question is: Have you seen it? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think any anyone who worked on it uh, below the line has. Okay. I mean, it says it played a film festival in Brussels. I don't know if like IMDb is not always <laughs> accurate, so I don't know. I mean, I hope that Brussels audience had a amazing time but it has but, i mean like it has all this information it has a runtime and aspect ratio it has all this I, information i think it's a completed film um but it's it is a, yeah the trivia says the film is lost unfortunately like, like you said yeah so you've and, never seen it okay and yeah and, and and like it's it's funny you know we're, we're, we're talking about bogdanovich on this but like the the experience of that film and with all of the other like cast involved is, it's a whole other because if, if you go like, like James Legro, it oh. was in it. Great. Yeah. It's, it has quite a cast, quite a cast. Um, and everybody in it is now, you know, doing great stuff. And it wasn't like, it just started from this very tiny indie film where everyone was like trudging through <laughs> the DuPont state yeah. forest, like picking up stuff together. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was an interesting time. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, uh, I thought that the Bogdanovich story was just going to be like a jumping off point, but there was so much to it that we kind of did like a whole episode. I probably rambled and I'm, I'm sorry if oh, I know it was all, all I, right. I, I would have, <laughs> look, I've been hosting a podcast for a long time. I would, have, okay. I would have massaged things if there were anything. <laughs> uh, no, I was fascinated. I was uh, okay. on your every word, much like you were when, in those long car rides with Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, not, it's like, not to say it was, uh, it was all like, it was all this like dewy eyed, you know, a portrait of the, the, the man. I, I kind of, it was, it was a certain experience, which I think we got on well. Um, it was also like an India film where we were working very hard and we were very like fatigued throughout it. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, we were, uh, people could snap at some points people couldn't, but it was, I never, I like, um, I guess like historically, like Bogdanovich was Bogdanovich was kind of seen as, you know, kind of a, he was kind of like a, like an asshole on sets, like to to put it bluntly. Um, like you, you hear the stories from the last picture show where the crew all hated him, uh, because of he, he just wanted to side with the actors and he had paid no mind to anyone below the line. And that was another thing where I think that was the reputation that, um, our film crew had beforehand. Okay. And then when he got there, it was like this different, more mellowed out version where you could see flashes of it for sure. And he was still like, you, you know, you don't meet a lot of people who give you their own films as gifts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Like it takes a certain person. I mean, I, I loved it. Like I, I still treasure that experience and that he gave them to me, but you know, he's still like, he's still, he was still very confident in what he was doing and how he saw filmmaking. But I think in terms of how he treated people on set and whatnot, it, it had mellowed out somewhat. Um, have you watched mask? <laughs> 
Negros. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> It, it was literally what it was. I'll, t- I'll tell you why. I I got the I got the I got the two DVDs. I got the noises off one and the mask one. I immediately opened up the noises off one, and that was how I rewatched it uh, a few years back. Yeah, I was like, yes. But then I was like, wait, do I want to keep? Like, do I want to have you have this as like a keepsake because it's like still in its shrink wrap and everything? Right. Yeah. So I was like yeah should i do this <laughs> so i i just never unwrapped it i i i i so mean to i i absolutely want to watch it yeah um have you seen it <laughs> i've never seen mask either to be honest but okay. uh, i wasn't handed a copy by the director so. <laughs> <laughs> well it was, it, it, the, the other thing was very interesting about it is like he, he um the things that he would focus on um in those films were it's the things you don't realize, but to him, there were everything, you know, because this, like the mask DVD that was released was the director's cut with the, the, the Bruce songs. Springsteen. Yeah. yeah. The songs added back in. And he's yeah. like, it's so much better. Bruce, the songs are in there. They're in there. This is, that's why you want, I was like, yeah, okay. All right. But it was like, it was, it was funny that that was like, that was a sticking point. It wasn't the film around it. It was the fact that Bruce is back in. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this has been fantastic. This has been a fantastic, yeah. uh, uh, insight. Um, very touching. Um, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, we got, we, yeah, we got to once, whenever all this is over, I don't know, <laughs> we should hang out again, but, um, Agreed. uh, in the meantime, uh, listeners, you can find me at battleshippretension.com. Um, this week I posted a review of a new restoration of a film from 1962 called the olive trees of justice. That's at battleshippretension.com. You can email me at David at battleshippretension.com. Follow me on Twitter at Davey pretension. Also, please check out my other podcast that my wife and I do together. It's called the one where I met your mother. And we watch an episode of friends and an episode of how I met your mother. Um, every, uh, uh, every week this, this week we watched, uh, the friend friends episode called the one with Phoebe's dad. And then an all time classic, how I met your mother episode slap bet. We watched slap bet. If you know that episode of how I met your mother. So check that out. Uh, you can find that wherever you find podcasts and at battleship pretension.com. Charlie, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at uh, Schmid links. Although I've kind of, uh, you know, stepped away from Twitter, uh, Instagram at Charlie yeah. Schmidlin. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can reach out to me there. Probably is the best bet. And again, uh, gossamer uh hi, what's the website oh uh, gossamerfilm.com gossamer is where you can uh, where you can check it out yeah well thanks again for being here yeah it was a lovely time thank you for letting me uh spill some memories it was terrific uh thank you all for listening we will catch you next time bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 